Some people, when they see that their content's not working, get like demoralized. I've always kind of viewed this as a, as a marathon and not a sprint. As a creator, there's always more work to be done. At some point, you just gotta say, okay, I'm gonna stop. And I think that a lot of creators don't know when to stop. made funny videos, you put them up, they got popular. And then a few years down the line, all of a sudden you have to be a business owner and you have to be a manager. How have you been able to manage that? What you're seeing now is companies like Mythical taking a much smarter approach to creators as a business. One thing that I really enjoy that we changed about Smosh is that it's not just what I find funny. It's expanding the point of view beyond suburban boy from Sacramento, California. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown, the home of Make Something Mean Something. It is TCU's day. I am Kevin Lieber flying without the man who's always with me, Matthew Tabor, tonight. But that's okay because we have an excellent guest, the royal we. I'm considering all of you listeners here with me tonight. Uh, I want to thank Main Gear at the top for sponsoring the Create Unknown. But let's get into our guest. Ian Hecox was YouTube literally years before YouTube and a few years after he worked at Chuck E. Cheese. In 2002, two decades ago, a friend's malapropism Describing a mosh pit as a smosh pit resulted in Anthony Padilla creating Smosh.com, a hub for flash animations and videos. It wasn't long before Ian joined the project. They'd been friends since they met in the sixth grade. They made a few lip syncing videos to uh, themes from Mortal Kombat, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and more, and threw them up on this thing called YouTube in 2005. Smosh was dominating the platform, including creating its most viewed video ever, their version of the English Pokemon theme. A year later, Smosh was in Time's Person of the Year issue. Ian and Anthony broadened out to skits and series like Food Battle, but they also kept developing their own IP with Smosh.com. They embraced vlogging, pop culture, and defined YouTube's trending content in its early years, and were acquired by what became Defy Media. In 2015, Smosh the Movie debuted, directed by Alex Winter. That's Bill from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. One of the major themes of this podcast is the evolution of creativity and content. Anthony left Smosh in 2017 and has a successful solo channel. Ian is all things Smosh and thriving. There's been a rotating cast of talent, the tumultuous implosion of Defy, Smosh's acquisition by Mythical Entertainment, and nearly a dozen Smosh-adjacent YouTube channels. And through it all is Ian, proving that you can't fake talent, you can't fake longevity, and you absolutely cannot fake funny. So, Ian, the very first question is this. How... Are you finally someday going to get canceled? Because it's going to happen to all of us eventually, <laughs> isn't it? How hasn't that happened yet? What uh, What will you do? Off, <laughs> yeah. Uh, first off, I want to say um, stellar research. I think you hit you hit everything accurately, which is which is impressive. So I wanted to 
give you a little golf clap on that. Um, as far as the canceled goes, I mean, it could happen any day. Honestly, there, there's so much, there's so much old stuff um, that is uh, in extremely poor taste. But I think, you know, I think that a lot of our, a lot of our viewers, a lot of our old time viewers kind of understand like when that stuff was made, you know, it, it wasn't made, uh, you know, with malintent and that they, it was just comedy, albeit maybe bad comedy or bad taste nowadays. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, um, there's a whole load of inappropriate stuff in there. And, uh, you know, I was talking to Anthony recently and we were just kind of like, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that everyone just, everyone is, is surprisingly, um, I guess we don't give them enough credit for, for understanding that we, you know, we were just trying to make some jokes. Um, so yeah, bravo to people for, for not canceling us yet. And then this is the point when somebody will clip that and then it'll go into the curb your enthusiasm thing. And then, yeah, showing me, you know, doing something really inappropriate 12 years ago. Right, right. The circus music plays and then it's all over. Yeah. We never hear from you again. It's all, and, yeah. You know, that's it. But it's, it's really remarkable, you know, how many people from that era, that original era, aren't around for one reason or another. I mean, there's plenty of reasons and, and, and it was a long time ago. So, you know, it makes sense that people will have moved on to other careers or some people, you know, have been canceled, have canceled themselves, have just grown out of favor with their content and, you know, just aren't popular anymore, which is totally normal for any uh, entertainment industry or property or style or genre, no matter what it is, that just happens. Yet, Smosh is still, you know, through thick and thin, man. You have been through how many fires and still yeah. continue to reach people, like have a strong following, uh, put out funny content. I was just watching the um, <laughs> the skit that you made about Smosh being acquired by Spirit Halloween, which is very funny. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, what has that journey been like? Because it's been a long one, and I'm sure that you know, through the ups and downs that we've seen from the outside have been nothing compared to what it was like on the inside. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the, the crazy thing of being on this platform for so long is seeing the sort of like ebbs and flows and, and, you know, you, you know, it's, it's very much like you're, you know, riding these sort of waves. We have high points and you have low points, you know, you have a format that hits big and then you're riding that for a while. Then, that format no longer really serves the algorithm. Then you kind of like take a low point and you find something else. Um, so I think like, yeah, I think that um, some people, when they see that their, that their content's not working the same way it used to anymore, get like really demoralized or quit. Um, and I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I've always kind of viewed this as a as a marathon and not a sprint. And there's, I'm sure there's certain things we could have done to try to get like immediate uh, attention or or views, but it wouldn't have benefited us in the in the long run. Um, you know, I think that there's questionable things that that creators 
have done like, you know, launch an NFT and then like scam their fans. And it's like, is that really like, are you really in it for the long term? Or are you just trying to like make a quick buck? So I think like I, I've always like tried to, you know, treat the audience with, with respect and, and, you know, treat this thing like a, like a real job. And, um, fortunate enough to be, uh, about to, uh, celebrate a full 17 years, um, making this. So, yeah, I mean, I'm very honored. I, I don't take it for granted. I assume I'm, I'm, I could be out of a job tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, somehow I'm still here with the with the help of my team. Well, you must work incessantly. I mean, everybody that we talk to basically on this podcast works pretty incessantly. Uh, how have you been able to continue to be excited to come up with another format, to come up with another series, to launch another channel? Like wh- where does that where does that come from? Cuz I could see, you know, there's this cliche of of burnout, which is a cliche for a reason, because it, it is a real thing. You know, uh, people go through that in all sorts of industries, not just on YouTube, but it's something that has been talked about kind of a lot, specifically as it relates to online creators, streamers, that sort of thing, getting burnt out. Well, after 17 years <laughs> and you're still, you know, happy to hop on this podcast to talk about this crazy thing that you're still doing there must be some sort of thing, uh, a piece of advice that you've learned along the way or something that's kept you going or kept it fresh or kept it interesting or kept you from not just kind of going insane. And uh, what has that been? I think, I think the thing that really saved us at the beginning was, uh, we got a business partner that, that told us to treat it like uh, a regular job. So, you know, taking weekends off, was was kind of like the first thing that we did and i think that that's really what enabled us to to kind of like really weather the kind of insane times that we were that we we're having because i think you know as a as a creator there's always more work to be done and at some point you just got to like you just got to like say okay i'm going to stop and i think that a lot of creators don't know when to stop whether that's like perfecting an edit or uh you know producing more content for like another social platform or whatever that case may be and like it's it's fine if you want to do that but you can't do it yourself and if you think you can do everything and you're looking at another creator and you're saying like i could do that well you know, you don't know what kind of like assistance that person might have. I think that, you know, if, if you're a creator with, um, a certain amount of success and a certain amount of income, I say like the moment you can hire people to take things off your plate, especially the things that you don't like to do. Like for myself, I, I, I do not get enjoyment out of editing. Like, I mean, it's like kind of fun to like put it together and like, you know, it's, it's cool to see something that, you know, you created from beginning to end. That's neat. But, um, I don't want to take, you know, two or three days to, to get that feeling (laughs) when I could instead use those two or three days to, uh, write something or, you know, ideate a new format. Like, I think that my, my, uh, skills and my my you know 
talent, if you want to call it that, isn't in editing. So I'm I'm happy to find somebody that can that can do it and probably do it better. But that's also like another thing with like creators. They it's it's a very like personal thing to a lot of people and they think that somebody can't do it better than them. And that's for some creators probably a lie. <laughs> like there's a lot of talented, you know, editors and people that aspire to to be YouTubers out there that would that would, you know, love the opportunity to put out a banger at it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I think, I think that that's the, that's the big, that's the big thing is just like, find the things that you're not good at, or maybe not excited about, or the things that don't bring you joy and find somebody else to do that for you. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that because we had uh, a very similar conversation with Bobby Duke last week, who has just been recently running into sort of the issues that you were outlining in which yeah, you don't know when to turn it off. All of a sudden it's like 3 a.m. and you've still been, you know, you're still working on the thing. And it's like, is this really healthy? And just recently he decided to treat it like a, a, a nine to five. Just say, you know, I'm going to get up when my wife gets up. I'm going to essentially clock in at nine. I'm going to work until five. And then once that, that <laughs> you know, it becomes five o'clock, I conceptually clock out and then spend time with my family and eat dinner and just not think about work because otherwise it's just constant. You're constantly on edge almost mentally. Right. And And, I think, and it's not, uh, Oh, uh, I was just gonna say, and like, you know, if, if you're not building a routine or you're not building certain habits towards work and you don't have a boss, you know, telling you what to do, it's very easy to go, okay, I'm going to do this video today. And then you like sit on your computer and you're just like, okay, like maybe I'll just watch this video or maybe I'll do this. And you find out, you find out that you're wasting way more time unless you were to just, you know, set a habit of like, okay, for this amount of time, I'm going to do this. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we used to waste so much time back in the day before we kind of set a, a schedule for ourselves. It was just like, oh yeah, we'll film a video today. And then we would, sit around for five hours then go to denny's and then and then go back to the the house and and be like uh, i don't know like should we shoot the like you know so it's i i think like as as lame as as building a routine and and a schedule uh may sound i find that it's it's definitely uh better <laughs> for your for your mental health and just for productivity Right for for your creative life, I think that it that it's better to ha- to set those boundaries. Because yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, it works both ways. It it works for the workaholic who can't turn it off and then becomes burned out to turn it to to force themselves to turn it off. And then it also works for the procrastinator, kind of on the other end of the work spectrum, to say like, look, I'm going to sort of create a boundary for myself to be productive within. And set set some limits so that I can get stuff done and not just say, oh, I could do it. I could do it later. I mean, I, I certainly mm, fall under the former category for the most part where I'll always think that I will, you know, it's like, okay, I got, I got Monday through Friday. I'll get whatever I need to get done Monday through Friday while like normal people are working. And then I have the weekend, which is like two free days where no one will bother me. And then I can get like extra things done to set myself up for the next regular 
work week. And sometimes that works. And sometimes like this past weekend, I hit Sunday and I was planning on shooting something on Sunday and I was just like, just mentally drained. I was like, nope, this is not, this is not happening. I'm just going to listen to myself. I'm going to listen to my body. I'm fatigued. My brain is like a bowl of oatmeal right now. I'm going to just like veg out with my oatmeal brain all day Sunday and then, you know, start on Monday and not force myself because if I force it, then probably I will set myself up for a full week of just being in hell, basically. Right. And you're probably not going to be that productive if you, if you tried to do it, if you tried to sit down and do it at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one, one thing that I, I wanted to ask you in particular, because, you know, we, we have had some some kind of like OG people on the podcast. We've had Mark Douglas from Barely Political and the Key of Awesome fame. We had um, James Rolfe, the angry video game nerd. You really had very early major success on YouTube in a way that is incredibly rare. Like it's a it's a really short list of people. I mean, let's put this into context. Smosh must have been one of the first five or ten maybe channels to hit one million subscribers. Right. Is that right? Do you know what the number was? Right. Yeah, we were one of the first. Fred was number one. Yeah, Fred, I believe, beat us to 1 million. Lonely Girl beat us to 100,000, I believe. Um, But yeah, we were we were kind of in this like constant like battle in those early in those early days of like when the subscriber counts mattered. um, It was like, yeah, this battle between like for a while it was like us and yeah, Fred uh Nigahiga, um uh Ray William Johnson, um yeah, the, those kinds of channels. But I mean like at the same time, like you know, our channels were at that time, you know, a couple uh, it was a, a few years old and it and they hadn't hit a million subscribers and that was still considered like top channels. So it's just kind of like the 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 uh scale of success back then and now is like totally different because you know a channel that has a million subscribers is you know well it's still very impressive and like congrats to everyone that hits that it's not like it's not an insane number anymore it's like oh yeah okay nice like they're doing well but i mean there there has to be i mean thousands thousands thousands, tens of thousands maybe um yeah but back in the day like you know in the first the first vidcon you knew every channel that had over a hundred thousand subscribers like it, they were like a big deal <laughs> so it's just so funny to like to see how much like the scale has changed like channels will get a million subscribers within a day now so it's definitely different it's so funny that you mentioned that because i i was thinking about that at vidcon this year i don't know if did you attend vidcon this year I did. Yeah. I've been to everyone. Yeah, uh, it was. It was so. It was mostly a TikTok event. Uh, it, it was. They were the main sponsor, and a lot of the featured creators were TikTokers. And it was so funny contrasting those early days of VidCon, in which everyone knew everyone, even if you weren't like friends 
even mm-hmm. if you didn't, you know, say hi, like, oh, hey, Ian, like, what's going on? I'm Kevin, you know, whatever. If we're, even if you weren't at that level, like, yeah, you you knew who everybody was. You're like, oh, there's yeah. Phil DeFranco and there's Jenna Marbles and there's Harley. And it's like it, it was like a, a Dunbar's number worth of people <laughs> where you could contain it in your brain cognitively. Now it's impossible. Now it's uh, and not even the TikTokers know each other. They're like, oh, what's your you know, what's your account? Oh, yeah, I have. 12 million followers oh cool what do you do like no one knows anybody what what so it is just a wildly different landscape what what i wanted to ask about those early days is is i often think about what i thought i suppose you know youtube would be like not even in 2022 but even in like 20 you know wow in 2015 what what will it be like what did you think in you know 2008 like, oh, what will YouTube and what will this job and what will my life be like in five years? And, and how has that sort of changed from what it became? Um, I mean, we were so we were so just like focused on our own channel that we weren't really like making a lot of like educated guesses about uh, what YouTube itself would be like. I think that our hope, our main hope was that like, uh, cpms would improve like we were because we were in the early days of like you know brand deals and brand integrations and adsense you know we were one of the first 10 channels to be in the youtube partnership program so you know we were talking with a lot of people and and seeing like oh like you know the ad rates for for people on youtube are like pennies compared to ad rates on TV. And so, you know, our hope was that eventually like advertisers would start to take notice and then, you know, bigger brands would would be interested in YouTubers and and CPMs would would get better. And they definitely have. Um still not at like TV levels, but getting better. Um so yeah, I mean things have definitely changed. I think what what I didn't what I didn't predict was um the attitude from viewers towards creators doing branded content i never expected the day when somebody would put out like a would put a you know two minute raid shadow legends uh uh promo in the first part of their video and their viewers applaud them for it because in the early days of youtube if you did a brand sponsorship everyone called you a sellout so like that's that's been the that's been the trend like the the change in the in the landscape that i did not see and i mean i appreciate it and i think it's just like i think people just have like a better understanding of like oh like people aren't people aren't just like doing this for fun like if they want to do it they have to be able to support themselves and in order to support themselves they yeah they need to take a raid shadow legends uh uh brand deal so i like that that has changed um and that like the the response now is like overwhelmingly positive when somebody does a a brand deal or a brand integration and that's cool yeah i I mean i will say that i will still occasionally get messages asking me what my real job is (laughs) that's tight (laughs) like well i am um a bartender and there was uh, definitely you know, there was definitely a shift where like when i would tell people like strangers on a plane 
like that I did YouTube, like there was always like this, like this, like kind of like confused look and like, what is your real job? Um, and they're like, so you make money. And then there was like a flip and probably like, I don't know, like 2015 or somewhere like when like the Ryan toys review, uh, figure dropped on like Forbes and then like people went strangers went from being like that's a job to being like oh so you're a millionaire like there's this very strange like there's no like oh like maybe you're like you know making like a living but you know it's fine it's like people went from assuming that you were doing it uh as like a hobby and and then going to just assuming that you're making millions of dollars yeah. It's quite it's quite a leap to go from oh you're like a weirdo loser to mm-hmm. oh you're one of the richest people in the world. Wow. <laughs> yeah, or, a, or they'll be like oh I heard swing. about this this 9-year-old kid that's making 15 million dollars a year. And you're like yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember the the it's article whatever the, whatever the first article was of uh, on PewDiePie's you know annual r- raking it in I don't remember mm-hmm. what it was, who wrote it, whether it was Rolling Stone or I don't remember it was so long ago now, but it was like this, this kid's making $30 million a year as a YouTuber. And then, yeah, yeah. there was this. And all he does is like, wow. press the, press a record button on his camera. Like that was always, yeah. that was always the thing that bothered me of like the, you know, the judgment that would always come, that would always follow the figure of being like, all he does is play video games like well it's a little bit more than that right right which even if you had like the most cursory uh understanding of economics it would be quite clear that there was more to it than that it's like okay plenty of people play video games and they don't make millions of dollars so there must be some sort of like value add involved here uh no no that's not connecting at all in your brain okay all right fine but I mean, it, to a large extent, I, I actually do feel like it, it is still that way in some regard. I, I think that I oh, mean, yeah. I've, I mean, no- I've noticed definitely for especially for people like, you know, like um, like Amaranth to to another to a kind of different degree where they're like, all she does is this and she makes millions of dollars. And it's like, well, there's more to it than that. Like you have to be like really good at marketing and work all the time. <laughs> and just be talented. So, yeah. Well, and, and be able to do, yeah, so many different jobs. That was something when I was thinking earlier today about you and, and you know, got your start, which, which which was just by making funny videos with your friend. You made funny videos, you put them up, they got popular. And then a few years down the line, all of a sudden you have to be a business owner and you have to be like a manager and you have to be a director and you have to be an actor and you have to be a writer and all of this stuff. It, it, it's, it's so, it's so much responsibility for, it reminds me of, there was a uh, Mitch Hedberg joke that, you know, any, anytime you retell a joke, it's going to be terrible, but I'll do it anyway. Where he, yeah, he, he was basically, he was basically lamenting the fact that like comedians are also expected to be actors He's like, oh, you're a comedian. You must also be an actor. And he's like, these are two different jobs. He's like, you would never mm. go to a chef and be like, oh, you're a chef. Do you farm? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you yeah. can cook food. Can you also grow it? Like, well, just because they both involve food doesn't mean that they're the same skill set. Uh, but with YouTuber, you kind of are, you are expected to do all of those things and do them at a high level. So like, how have you been able to manage that? Well, I think like I was, I was very fortunate to have a really great partner through, you know, those first 10 plus years, um, in that, you know, he was much better at editing. Um, he was, he was, you know, really good at like, he did some like coding stuff. He kind of like helped develop like our merch in the beginning. So he had a, he had a lot of skills that I didn't have. Um, so I feel like we, we kind of complemented each other really well in, in that regard. Um, so I think, I think for me, it's like, yeah, I mean, being a, a solo YouTuber is not something that appeals to me because I, I don't want to be in control of it all. Like I, I really, I find that, you know, I'm most useful doing the things that, that I'm good at or doing the things that bring me joy. And I think that that kind of carries through in the, in the content. So, yeah, I mean, I, I had, I had the privilege of, of, you know, having help, uh, and having somebody that was, that was good at the things that I wasn't good at. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you've been sipping, but you've got it all wrong. It's time to commit to the leaf. We've embraced the smoothness and surprising pick-me-up that tea provides. I literally drink it all day long, nearly a gallon a day, and it powers me through research, script writing, and forums on websites that I refuse to name here. But we don't drink normie NPC tea. We drink cultured and refined anime tea from the Dragon's Treasure. Kevin still likes the gunpowder green called Space Cowboy, and I've sampled nearly 40 Dragon's Treasure teas at this point. Lately, I've been slamming black teas like Kentucky Bourbon and Liquefied Berserk Despair. Scottish Breakfast is deep and peaty, and I smooth it over with Sebastian's Morning Earl Grey, which has the best vanilla cream taste I think I've ever had in a cup. Give me a pot of that with a hot meatball sub from Sal's Pizza and Brooks Barbecue Chicken to wash down my last meal on death row. I highly recommend the sampler packs. You'll want to try everything just like I did. I literally have not had one tea that I wouldn't be happy to reorder. The Dragon's Wings membership fuels new tea experimentation and the Tea of the Month Club provides a regularly scheduled surprise. And when you order from the Dragon's Treasure using code CREATE, you'll get 10% off your order. That's 10% off using the code CREATE at thedragonstreasure.com. The link's in the description. Well, and you, you work with a lot of people now. You know, I'd love to yeah. get into a little bit later about, you know, the size of Smosh, your role and stuff. But, but I want to circle back a second because I'm so interested in this idea of, you know, working with within the context of a larger company. So, you know, you're with Mythic now, you know, uh, Retin Link's company before uh, that uh, you were with Defy for a bit, which, what was it called before it was Defy? I don't remember. It was uh, Alloy Digital. Alloy Digital, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I, remember, I remember meeting the, the those people a million years ago in another life. Um, but what I'm, what I'm interested in, asking you about is sort of the grand promise of I don't even know what year this was 2012 maybe where there was so much money going into like I don't think people really remember this today um, certainly not the way that you will and not the way that I do 
that there was this big boom that that busted a, a bubble that busted yeah. with with things like Alloy Digital and Maker Studios, which was purchased by Disney for half a billion dollars and then went absolutely straight into the ground. It was such a weird time um, yeah. where a lot of money was being thrown around with the idea, I guess, that at some point they would yeah. make more money than that. But that didn't happen. It just right, it didn't right. happen and it didn't happen quickly. Yeah. I mean, some of it just feels like like hype money, right? Like we see that with with some of the some of the stuff in like esports. Like people are like, what's the hot thing? It's esports. What's the hot thing? It's TikTok. And we need to put money into that because it's hot. Um, and I, and I think like that was the first like boom and bust, which was like kind of the MCN model of like, okay, there's like YouTubers and they're, they have a lot of viewers. And then there's these companies that they, the, they, these channels, like these like MCNs own them, but then turns out they didn't. Um, so, I mean, like what I think the issue was like with maker, uh, they didn't own those channels. Like those people could just get up and leave the MCN one day. So while they, while they might boast, like we have, you know, we get like 10 billion views every month and advertisers are like, wow. What they don't mention is like, okay, but 7 million of those are PewDiePie or 7 billion of those are PewDiePie and he could leave at any moment. So it's like, (laughs) Not the most like sound business, I think. There, like when you look under the hood of something like that, you're like, there's not, there's not much going on here that they can control. Um, I think that you know, I don't know. Like if you asked any creator at that time when Disney bought Maker, like everyone thought it was a terrible idea, um, and it turns out it was. And so yeah, I mean, there was a lot of these sort of like boom and bust of these MCNs. Uh, Defy was doing something very similar for us. We were owned and operated by them. So it was a little bit different, but um, yeah, I mean, it didn't, it didn't work out. And when something as big as maker fails, then a lot of other investors pull out their interest in something like that. They see, they see something big like maker failing and they're like, Whoa, okay. Backing away from this. So I think what you're seeing now is, is um, you know, people like Mythical, companies like Mythical taking a much smarter approach to creators as a, as a business and, you know, putting actual focus into the business of, of, of creators and, and uh, rather than just this kind of like hype. Yeah. That's so what it's, I was it's interesting. wondering. Yeah. It sounds because it seems like uh, things have settled in a lot of regard uh, in terms of what a YouTube channel's business is. And yeah, I think people are it, getting a much better idea of like how to run how to run uh, you know a YouTube channel or you know a, a multi platform channel successfully and and you know building out different branches of of income. So you're not just relying on like YouTube ad revenue. So people are looking at it much more intelligently. I mean, comparing creators merchandise offerings to their to merchandise offerings like 10 years ago is like nothing else. 
like people are so like savvy with what they're putting out obviously you have um people like emma chamberlain coming out with very successful like coffee company um you know just trying like different sorts of avenues because i think that there's i mean the creator economy is still a lot of people think in its infancy and um so yeah there's there's still a lot a lot of growth that can be there we just yet to see yeah, I was just wondering if there were any pie in the sky things that that they told you back in those days that were like, we're going to, you know, there's going to be a Smosh TV channel and we're going to fill it out with all Smosh content and then we'll have action figures and Walmart and, and plushies, you know, whatever. Yeah. Was there they, anything they like did. that that was just I mean, outlandish? I mean, straight up, they they were trying to. Uh, I remember there was there was a time when they were trying to figure out how we could run like a 24 hour like TV channel with I don't remember if it was like Defy properties or just like Smosh content just to get like the you know like the cable like sub fee or something like it, it was yeah there was a lot of there's a lot of stuff um, didn't work out yeah. Yeah, that's that's what I was assuming because th- those were the types of conversations that I remember happening that that just never came to fruition at all. You know, aside from a handful of YouTubers who who did have TV shows, most of them, albeit being very short lived, there there at that time there was this mm-hmm. sort of like bubbling interest in taking over almost like oh like this is going to be the next big thing. We'll have our own you know, whatever. It doesn't matter who you're talking about, like Epic Mealtime taking over the Food Network or Vsauce Mm -hmm. taking over the Science Channel and Smosh taking over Comedy Central or whatever it was. (laughs) There was a lot of kind of grandiose expectations, I think. Yeah, and expectations that that we needed to be in those spaces. Um, Right. You know, like, yeah, there was a lot of sentiment that like, oh, like TV show would be like the ultimate or you know, a movie would be like the ultimate. Um, and it's like, you know, do we even like, are those being in those spaces? Is that even worth our time? Um, you know, we, we did, we did two movies and I think it was, I think it was a really great experience. It was a, it was a fun exercise. Um, you know, I wouldn't, I don't regret making them. I thought it was, I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think like, I, I don't know if I'll ever get the opportunity to to make a movie again. So that was that was cool. Um, but would we would we leave everything that we've created online to make another movie? Of course not. So you know, would we make a movie again? I mean, that'd be cool. Um, but it would be just another piece of what we're doing. Right. That, and that's what it comes down to. And that and that's what I think is so funny looking back on it now, you know, five, 10 years later, whatever it is, it, it or it ended up being like, this actually already is the thing. Like, <laughs> this is the thing. Yeah. Like, the YouTube channel is is the thing. And sure, there can be branching opportunities off that, uh, you know, tributaries that sort of feed the river sort of thing. But it is the thing. It's not like, oh, we're going to become movie stars or, oh, we're going to have a sit, a smosh sitcom or what, whatever. Um, or, I mean, you could and, even do it on YouTube. I mean, there's, you know, creators that are putting out uh, basically full length documentaries 
for free on YouTube. Um, you know, defunct land being, being a great example. Like who would have thought that we would all watch a, you know, one and a half hour long video about the uh, Disneyland fast pass. I didn't, <laughs> right? but I watched it. So, I mean, there, there's definitely like different, different ways of doing this now and different, different forms of distribution that are successful outside of going the traditional route. Well, well, and ironically, I think so many people in those traditional media spaces are looking like, how do we break into this new media thing still, still to this day, because it's a, it's a global audience. It's a much younger audience. I mean, I, I don't know what the stats are. I haven't kept up with them in terms of cord cutting, but I got to imagine it's, it's looking pretty grim as far as the amount of, you know, people in Gen Z that have cable television. Yeah. It's gotta be low. I, I don't know. And I, and I don't know what's like, I don't know what's going to happen to Saturday night live because it's always like Saturday night live has always spoken for like the, you know, audiences that are like coming into age. And now, you know, I, I mean, they still make, they still make funny stuff and there's still super talented people that work there, but you know, watching some of the content, you're like, who is this for? Because like, you're making references to things that like, you know, that's supposed to appeal to like millennials or Gen Z. And those aren't the people that are like watching it. (laughs) So it's like, it feels like there's just this like weird, like disconnect where I'm just like, you know, like I think Saturday Night Live has this like weird effect of like everyone that grew up like on Saturday Night Live, that cast was like the best to them. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how old you are, but I assume, you know, you're looking at like Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell era being like the best, but anyone that was born before us is like, oh no, it's like, um, like Belushi or, you know, like there's all these Yeah. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And, and then, you know, people that were born later are like, no, it's like Kristen Wiig and. Kate McKinnon and you know it's so I, I like who I, I don't know who it's for anymore sorry I don't know why we went off on that tangent that was my bad <laughs> I don't know I like that tangent though because I've thought the same thing I've thought the same thing because as far as I can tell it's like boomers are the only people watching SNL at this point maybe I'm wrong I don't know what the Nielsen data says but it, yeah if, if I, I mean, were I to guess, guess if I were to guess that would be my guess it's yeah, like Gen X I, and boomers yeah, and I assume that like they're getting a lot of views on YouTube now, so maybe maybe it's okay if they're appealing to millennials and Gen Z because they're seeing it on YouTube, but I can't imagine it's making enough money to like like make up for what they're losing in like television share. Anyway. Yeah. No, I don't know. I even saw a thing um just this week actually about them ripping off a YouTuber. Like it's like the exact oh, same skit. Oh yeah, Joel. The Joel Charmin Haber. Bear thing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Charmin yeah. Bear thing. A little suspect. Who was, for the record, if anybody watched his uh, reaction to that Charmin Blue Bear skit yeah. being stolen from him, was the most gracious person he was very, I've yeah, ever he was... seen in the world. <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude, you are like so gracious about this. It's unreal. Yeah, he was very charitable. I was, I was really surprised. charitable, but like, you know, is we got, astounding. we got to give, 
poor SNL. You know, we, we got to give them a chance. Yeah. We want to help you make something and mean something. And we say that phrase all the time because when you're making something and you know it means something, even if it's just to you, that's when you feel pretty good about what you're creating. The support for the Create Unknown in recent weeks has been incredible. Animators, artists, musicians, YouTubers, aspiring filmmakers, comedians, it is crazy how talented everybody in this community is. Consider joining the Create Unknown Patreon. Every dollar that comes through goes straight into the podcast and its community. That means more highlights videos. It means a big Minecraft project that's on the way. And eventually we'd like to manufacture custom piss bottles so you never have to leave your battle station. And being a patron unlocks participation in all of our live recordings. You've seen the roster of guests we've had. Having access to their minds is a unique opportunity. You can go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown or click the link that's in the description. Every little bit helps and your support means absolutely everything to us. Patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Links in the description. We appreciate you, Space Cowboys. I don't know. Well, uh, let, let's get back to Smosh because, uh, you know, I have a, a couple of more things that I really wanted to ask you. Uh, yeah. One is, is just about the state of Smosh. You know, how many people are working? You got so many channels. It seems like such a big operation. And where do you fit into all of that these days? Yeah. So, I mean, really, we have like three channels that we're operating day to day. We have Smosh, Smosh Pit. Smosh Games. So Smosh is our sort of main, sort of more scripted uh, channel. We're doing more like scripted improv type stuff now. Um, Pit's more of a personality um, challenge game show type uh, uh, channel. Then Games is our board and table uh, and video game um, uh, channel. And then there's El Smosh, which is our Spanish language uh, channel. Um, which takes uh, videos from the main channel and dubs them in Spanish. Um, but we have, uh, I believe, 38 full-time employees. Um, wow. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's big, it's big operation. <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredible. It's incredible. So, um, you know, we, we were talking a few weeks ago about this, but I'd love for you to expand upon it. You know, your your role these days as like overseeing things, like how much really sort of do you do you stick your your hand in the in 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 the pies of of everything because you can't be involved like that deeply in everything. Do you over oversee scripts or like really what is your day to day like? Like how how are you sort of junctioning that structured work week? Yeah, I mean, I, I you know oversee creative, but I give people the the uh, you know the space to to see something from beginning to end without without me meddling. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I just really make sure that things stay in stay in the right direction and and keep people um, you know in line with you know what we think Smosh should be. Um, I'm also on camera still. I love, I, I love being in videos still. It's probably the narcissist in me. Um, no, but I mean, like I, I do get enjoyment out of that. Um, and I mean, yeah, strangely, my, my days just fill up with meetings. So <laughs> just, you know, meetings that, um, I didn't, I didn't expect so much of my, um, 
uh, days to be uh, committed to like, uh, like, shall we say talent management? Um, We have a lot of really great on screen people, but you know, everyone's an artist and, and artists are very fragile. So um, yeah, a lot, a lot of that. Um, Not what I expected uh, uh, my life to be uh, when, when, you know, we started Smosh in, in 2005, but um, you know, I'm still, I'm loving the content that we're putting out. I think that we have such a, like such talent in front of and behind the camera. Um, And I mean, that's, that was the goal of, of Smosh was to, you know, the, the kind of, the kind of uh, guiding light that we used was like, okay, like what, like, how can we be sort of like the Saturday night live of the internet? And meaning by that, I mean, finding talented people, bringing them into the fold, developing them, uh, cultivating them within Smosh, and then developing other opportunities for them uh, outside of here. And and when you talk about something like feeling like Smosh, like feeling like the voice of Smosh, do, do you have that articulated in your mind in, in a way where it's like, you know, this is sort of how I see something falling you know, under the umbrella of Smosh. This is how I see something that doesn't fit under that umbrella. Is that something you could explain or is it more <laughs> intuition? I, I mean, I wish I, I feel like we've tried to write it down before and then it just comes off like way too, way too corporate. Um, you know, like we've tried to like put together like a mission statement before and it's just like, ah. yeah yeah like i remember like there was somebody there was somebody back at defy back in those days and we had this like this like weird like kind of corporate oversight and one of them came up with this slogan that was like growing up is weird and that was like a slogan (laughs) that they made that like they made that like a slogan that they like put up around the office and it was fucking embarrassing (laughs) <laughs> and I mean, we, we still joke about it to today. Like whenever we say something that's close to that and we're like, cause growing up is weird. Right. Um, so yeah. Um, I wish I, I wish I could d- d- distill, uh, what Smosh was down into a, a sentence, but, uh, yeah, I can't. But, but overall, are there things you're like, you know, we stay away from this type of humor or, you know, we always kind of have a, a positive spin on this or a silly take on it, something like that? Because I could see that kind of run as a through line for a lot of your humor. It's yeah. Like, and there's I like think, a silly silliness, like a childlike silliness to it. Yeah, I think that our, you know, our direction has changed over time. It used to be like comedy at any expense. And, and, you know, maybe that, maybe that worked in like 2012 when we were just like two suburban kids, but then like you kind of get out into the world and you start to see like, you know, you start to take in like other experiences and and other people's points of view. And you're like, ah, this just doesn't hit the same way. Um, So I think, I think for me, like one thing that, that I really enjoy about uh, that we changed about Smosh is that it's it's not just like what I specifically find funny because I don't I don't think I know you know I don't know everything and I and I can't ideate every every joke so to bring in other people with other points of views and other life experiences um, from other parts of 
you know, the U S um, I think only benefits uh, the channel because it's, mm-hmm. it's expanding, it's expanding the point of view beyond, you know, suburban boy from Sacramento, California. <laughs> right. It's a very specific point of view. Well, years ago, I remember trying to get you to watch Mr. Show. So the first question is, have you watched Mr. Show yet? And the second question, which kind of is is an ancillary to that, is if not, then, you know, what sort of comedy did you grow up loving? I I actually did watch uh, a couple episodes after you told me because I was at the Creator Summit in 2019, right? I feel like it was. I don't remember. Because I remember somebody told me to watch sure. Mr. Show and then I went and watched it. And, and it's funny. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I think I think a creative influence, I mean, a comedy influence for me when I was growing up was Spaceballs. I just, oh yeah, I, I thought it was just so funny. Um, I think that, um, yeah, I guess that speaks to my, my sense of humor. Uh, I mean, I watched Saturday Night Live once I, once my parents allowed me to when I was in like, you know, high school or like middle school, high school kind of era. Like I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of stuff. My parents like, you know, we, we, we didn't have cable. Um, like I wasn't able to watch things that were like over PG 13 until I was in like, I don't even know, like a sophomore in high school or maybe even past God. I don't even know. So I, I feel like I, you know, I was, I was sort of, my parents tried to steer me away from like, you know, media and video games. And then of course I made my entire life (laughs) and career about media and video games. So good going mom and dad. Um, Isn't that how it always works out? Yeah, I think so. Well, Spaceballs explains the silliness. I I think that Spaceballs is a totally underappreciated in our time classic. That's definitely a movie that I watched in my cousin's basement a, a yeah. billion times when I was like six years old. Yeah. My, and it's my so other, funny. My other, um, I mean, a more recent version of a movie like that is uh, They Came Together, which I just, I, I espouse to everyone. Um, it's uh, made by the same guys that did What Hot American Summer. It's very silly, but so funny it's so funny um so if you haven't seen they came together check it out it's stupid good all right i have i haven't seen it so is is that um like david wayne like kind of like the the stella the stella crew yeah it's like it's that whole crew um paul rudd amy poehler uh it's a parody of rom-coms so it's oh okay very good upright citizens brigade was really funny too speaking of amy poehler there are some oh, really yeah, good. Yeah. They did some really, really good skits for the Upright Citizens Brigade, the Comedy Central show. Definitely. Um, okay, I have a, a couple of more. Then we're gonna, uh, I'm gonna turn it over to our patrons who have a few questions for you. Uh, cool. One is dream dream project. Is there something that you haven't done or that you'd like to do again and do better? Anything where you're like, you know what? If I had the time and the resources, this is what I would make. Or are you making that stuff already? That's that's the question. Dream project. Dream project. Um, um, I mean, I think I think when when back in the day when I was watching Top Gear and they did like soccer but with cars. Um, I mean, I wish I could just do that. That was that was sick. You're a big car car guy, big gearhead. I am an I am a car enthusiast. Yeah, 
I like oh, okay. cars, which is my probably not great for the environment, but um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So something outside of comedy, I'm sure you'd make it funny, but some sort of show about, about cars. Oh yeah. I don't, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, like people just do. Yeah. I, I don't think I could actually do a car show. I feel like people already got that down. Doug DeMiro's got that locked down. <laughs> okay. All right. Well then, uh, I have to ask you the most serious question of all is, uh, do you actually love Farmville? Because you, you, you came in here with this Farmville lover screen name. And uh, I need to know more about this. I don't even understand. Can I, can I just admit, I don't even understand what Farmville is other than I remember it was enormously popular on Facebook as some sort of Facebook ga- game that you yeah, could play, yeah, yeah. which I don't even yeah. know what that, that means. Yeah. What does it mean? What to explain Farmville to me. You want me to explain Farmville? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah teach me farmville, about farmville because i missed the boat a, on that oh man yeah that's a relic of of facebook it was like a like a browser game on facebook where you would like uh you would like harvest crops and then annoy like you would like annoy all of your friends on facebook to uh like get more crops or something it was really annoying so i don't actually love farmville i think that that was terrible um i i think i created this discord like a few years ago and i was trying to think of like the worst possible like boomer uh username uh so farmville lover is it l-u-v is it yeah l-u-v-r yeah so it's like a good mix of like aim screen name and boomer um i I, yeah i i don't know i was just being i was just being silly having a laugh so so in in farmville you would bug your friends to to do what like help you water your crops or something something like like that like and people would be really annoying about it like you would like you would get notifications of like people being like visit my farm or whatever and it was just it was just a (laughs) shitty like browser game i did i did play it a little bit back in the day a little bit um but yeah just cringe i i could see how the the you know the big wigs at facebook are like all right we need to gamify facebook how do we turn facebook into a game i know farming well i mean farmville farmville was uh and it worked was zing zynga right is that the name of the like oh was it yeah and then they like went public and everything like it was a big deal and farmville was like their cash cow at that time it's like crazy farmville was a big deal well i wonder what the metaverse version of farmville will be oh my god we're gonna see smosh in the metaverse all of the things that come out for the metaverse i'm like who is working on this and why are you allowing them to release this stuff as a means of promoting it? Because it all looks so, it looks like a joke. I don't understand what's happening there. I I think there's something you could do that's fun in the metaverse. I think, I think, I think you could do something fun in there. Um, But yeah, they're, they're putting a lot of, a lot of money into that, aren't they? Well, one of the latest features is having legs. That's all. That's the. That's all I yeah. know is that you can finally have legs. I mean, I like VR. I think VR yeah, today, is really cool. Today, legs. Tomorrow, smell a vision. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. They got that. They got that meta money. Today, you don't know what legs. Tomorrow, a, a nose. <laughs> like one, one, 
one set of body parts at a time yeah will eventually be human it's like i already have I mean, that stuff i don't know gosh I'm, I'm excited to see my legs in the metaverse very excited <laughs> yeah hopefully they'll be awesome they'll be such good legs um all right so we have a few uh we have a few questions from our lovely patrons who are hanging out with us here, if yeah, you want to cool. become one, just go to patreon.com slash the create unknown. Uh, Dan, the latch asks, uh, out of all of the things that were attached to the Smosh name, what is the one thing that you wish popped off, but didn't? Is there one thing that you really hoped would kind of blow up, I guess, uh, that didn't, didn't quite meet your expectations? I think that, um, we had a game show for, for a quick moment called You Posted That. And I thought it was like a really cool format. And it did, it, it did the, the first episodes did pop off. And then, uh, then Defy went out of business. And then it was probably like another year before we brought it back. And then it just wasn't, wasn't the same. Didn't do the same kind of numbers. But it was a show that went into people's uh, social media uh, past and kind of put it out in front of everyone in a sort of embarrassing way, but a fun way and kind of gamified it and said like, do you remember what you said here? And would like blank out a couple words and end up trying to guess what it was. Or, you know, we, we did one really successful one where um, we, one of our, one of our castmates was, was a big Chris Pratt fan a few years ago. And, uh, and we surprised her with Chris Pratt in the actual show. And then all of her posts that we brought up were like him, were her simping for him. So just kind of like using all these posts to embarrass her in front of Chris Pratt. That was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was, that was a, that was a, I don't know, that was a good format. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little surprised that the, the game show format hasn't had a major breakthrough success online I feel like, unless I it feel has like and I don't, are, I don't know it yeah i feel like people are now starting to like understand like how fun and and i don't know about easy but like but game shows are like very accessible and i think that you know we've been doing game shows for for years and i feel like i'm starting to see like some streamers do game shows um i've seen some other some other game shows so i think that i think it's like starting to catch on yeah i mean that's basically all network television is at this point is like some form of game it's, show it's like it's all easy, that's left it's, it's repeatable i mean i think that you know one of the great things about a game show is that you can you can play along um at home and you know that's what makes jeopardy so great but then imagine like jeopardy online where you're able to like truly interact um so yeah, I think that game shows are probably still to a degree untapped on online. Yeah. yeah I do you remember HQ Trivia? Will do that. that was supposed to change the world. I do remember that. That didn't last very long. No. Did it? But it was a great it idea. Like it, it was really cool. Yeah, like blew up and then a few months later it was gone. Yeah. Money. Oh, yeah. Somebody will do it and make a lot of money. Um, and, uh, next question, NRM asks, uh, as a creative who's been around for a while, um, are there any videos that you regret making? I mean, I guess we touched on that a little bit, uh, earlier and, but, uh, are there any specific ones that come to mind that you're like, yeah, that wasn't so good. Um, 
I mean, like all I'm tra- all I could really think of is like when we when we did uh, Smosh the movie had like the 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 co the company that co produced it with us like there was like a stipulation that we had to like upload like four like separate trailers to our channel and we're like what like this is like like we're just gonna load the you know the main channel with junk with like these like clips and but they they insisted on it and of course they did like bad um (laughs) so yeah um i remember like yeah we were we were not we were not happy about about that yeah the random one yeah i've been in conversations like that where people who don't understand youtube think yeah just release this on your youtube channel and everyone will love it and it'll get millions of views it could be because that's how it works it's like well the content itself also kind of has an influence on (laughs) whether people like it and will watch it well one of the one of the strangest one of the strangest uh business things we did uh back in those sort of days was we released a magazine we released two issues of a magazine (laughs) and um i remember the publisher was like you're just not promoting it enough like you need to put you need to talk about it in every video and we're like we're not no no we're not gonna do that but um yeah then every yeah. video becomes a commercial for your magazine which yeah, is which so is ridiculous ridiculous yeah that was that was a very that was a that was a weird that was a weird moment and i know i know a couple people still have those magazines i see it every once in a while it's pretty silly yeah but that's kind of a cool collector's item i guess at this point yeah I seem it's to probably going for like five bucks on ebay <laughs> um two questions from andy and then we're done um and these are really, really, really simple ones. One is favorite Smosh song. Mm. And the second is favorite early Smosh video. Ooh, favorite Smosh song. I mean, I mean, the thing that comes to mind is like the Assassin's Creed 3 rap. Just, I think that was just like our slickest song and video. Um, still kind of hits. Um, also, just for the sheer dirtiness of it, I mean, I loved our. Um, well, I don't know. Going back now and watching it, you're like, ooh. But uh, for the play on words, it was fun. Uh, we did. We made up this thing that we uh, made a commercial for a cider company that was in this town next to us called Dixon. So it was Dixon Cider, um, and <laughs> so we made this like this like smooth kind of like R and B song about. Uh, getting dicks insider and it was that <laughs> joke for like three minutes um yeah I, I i thought my favorite thing about that is like i went back to to look at it and i was reading the comments and there's so many comments from from people being like i had no idea what this song was about when i was nine and like you know like they're like i got grounded for for listening to this song and i had no idea why until now like yeah <laughs> So that was fun. Oh, and then I guess like the Sex Ed Rocks music video is great. We did like a screamo song about Sex Ed. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was really fun. And would those qualify as some of your favorite early videos as yeah, well? Or is there something so. else? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll have to look those up. Dixon, Cider, Sex Ed Rocks. I'll watch those. Yeah. yeah. 
They're pretty and, sick. And reminisce and go down, go down Smosh memory lane. Uh, all right. Well, there's a, uh, there's Be one careful, final question. You might from... find something, you might find something cancelable in there. So, you know, Oh, that's going to happen. Yeah. That's part of this episode too. Uh, you know, we're going to call out on all listeners to, to take no. down Smosh. No. <laughs> and then you'll be free to make your car videos. <laughs> oh God. That'll be my pivot. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, there's one question that we like to end on that we ask kind of all of our guests. It's sort of a philosophical question and Ooh. that is, what makes an interesting person? What do you think makes someone interesting? How does one become an interesting person? Mm. Well, um, I don't know. A good a good tip that a good tip that I had that I took from from somebody I was working with and just talking about like conversations is uh, when you're having a conversation with somebody, be interested, not interesting. And meaning just like, you know, don't, don't, don't try to force being interested, like listen and learn. And I think, I don't know, being an interesting person, I guess, um, I don't know, learn a skill, learn, be like, I don't know, like find a hobby, find something you're really excited about. Um, I think, I think for like, for a long, long time, I was like afraid to like, tell anybody about like the fact that I uh, was a car enthusiast because I was afraid that nobody would, would care about that. And then somebody was like, no, that's like, that's interesting that, you know, like a lot about this thing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I would say, don't try to be interesting for anyone else's sake. Just find the things that you're interested in and, uh, and share it with somebody that cares. I like that. I like that. Uh, we liked to uh, we like to encourage people to share their weird little hobbies and interests for sure all the time because you never know who's going to be interested in it. But I also like the listener response because now that I'm thinking of it, some of the most interesting people I've ever met were astounding listeners, just very good present listeners. I think that there is something to that if they're always kind of paying attention and listening mm -hmm. they're absorbing information and you know you almost intrinsically become you can't help but become interesting if you're always taking yeah. things in and paying attention so that's be good. an active like be an active listener don't just wait for your moment to speak uh i think i would oh yeah i guess one more thing take an improv class because that's where like that's where i learned to be a better more active listener I think improv is is incredibly useful for for anyone. Yes, and that's, yes, that's the big and that's the rule. Yes, and that's the improv rule. Little inside improv joke between Ian and I. All right, um, Ian, it was a pleasure. Uh, always yeah, enjoy seeing your face, face, hearing your voice, chatting with your brain. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I don't know if I have to promote smosh i think that people are familiar with it you probably grew up with it you probably got in trouble and were grounded at some point for watching one of and anthony's videos very possible <laughs> back in the day um uh, but yeah come come uh, check out smosh come check it out check out uh, smosh we got like we have a fun roast series on our main channel um it's like a set up like a funeral um on Smosh Pit, we're doing Try Not to Laugh still. 
It's a good format. There's some other stuff on there as well. Smosh Games, we're getting more into video games and tabletop. So if any of those things interest you, give it a look-see. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Still going strong. Better than ever. Great content. Check out Smosh. Uh, We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of The Create Unknown. If you want to support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Until then, we are out of here and we will see you, Space Cowboys. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. We make this show with the support of our patrons. 100% of that goes directly to keeping episodes going every week, and the recent support has been amazing. Sidpoke, NRM, Venture Addicts, Weezer Good, you all really do make this show happen. Thank you to the Tots and Dumpster crew, old and new, who save tiny little lives every month. Thank you to our grizzled, battle-hardened child infantry. Clemente De Los Santos, Dan Malatch, Demetrius Andrews, Erica, Farrakhan, Jen Mefasanti, Kevin Menard, Mikhail Steinke, Monahim, Natsu, Penny Peddler, Risebread, Ryan Kinder, Samuel Manser, Sean S., Sean Malone, and Tom Videoger. And a tremendous shout-out to our elite baby gang commanders. Atrocious Guff, Cat, Dojangles, Graham Robertson, James Gallagher, Jeff Davis, Orange Vanilla Coke, Patrick Pister, TCU's personal pilot, Andy, Ryan Carroll, Baseweight, Vinthos, Yetis Deletus, Jonas Walter, Nathan Robinson, Chelksies, and, of course, Trevstead. You are the elite. Thank you as well to our indentured servants, producer-editor Ben Webster, Minecraft mogul Laterman, Discord kitten wrangler Conrad, and producer emeritus Dan Yoshua. Thanks to Baseweight for use of Created in the Unknown for the opening theme. Thanks to Electro Voice for giving us mics to sound good on top of it. And a special thanks to Main Gear for powering all of our PC endeavors. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production in partnership with Studio 71. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.